The second problem that I see is I find that B2B content is boring and unmemorable. I read something. I can't tell you who wrote it. I can't tell you what it said. It said something about something to somebody at some point. I think everybody thinks that it's okay to speak the same dry, boring, corporate, stodgy language um, to copy your competitors. Just just lift their words. Um, nobody will notice. Um, that just makes you memorable. That just makes you a, a worth copy of your competitors. We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO Show. I'm your host, George Cassiotis, and today I'm very happy to be joined by Vanessa Perpis. Vanessa is an external communications lead at LUSA and knows a thing or two about content. Vanessa, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks to be here. Pleasure. So, pleasure is mine. So first of all, uh, before we, we get started and uh, let the conversation unfold, could you please share a few things about your background? Um, what has brought you to where you are today? Sure. So I'll give you the, uh, the elevator pitch first, and then I'll tell you a little bit about, about where I come from. Um, I help B2B SaaS companies become well-loved brands with clear, crisp, and emotional storytelling. So my goal is to really take a company and elevate it into a brand experience that makes your ideal customers beg to buy you and become loyal brand advocates. So my methodology is very clear, clear, crisp, and buzzword-free copy that creates a small, strong emotional bond with the reader and takes a stance on an issue. Uh, my background is as a conversion copywriter. Um, I've been blessed to work in the B2B and B2B2C SaaS industry for nearly a decade. Um, I've held a variety of roles from content writer to content and PR lead um, to external communications manager. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much about me. Okay. Uh, I like this. Uh, I like this piece. Uh, and um, what about now? Uh, you are um, working with Lusa, uh, which is a, a B2B software company. Um, can you please share a few things about Lusa, what the, the product is, uh, who uh, is using the product and who gets the most value out of it? Great question. So I work for a company called Lusha, Lusha.com. Um, I've been there for about two years. It's a sales intelligence and prospecting tool. Basically, it's geared towards BDRs, SDRs, AEs, and sales team leaders. Um, Lucia helps sales professionals find their prospects and reach out with accurate and GDPR-aligned contact data. Basically, it's a PLG company, um, which means users can sign up and immediately start using the product. Um, when I started working at Lucia two years ago, 
pretty much everyone in the space, at least in the Israeli high-tech scene, I would say, I work at Lucia, and they'd say, what's that? And now everyone's like, oh, great, cool company. So we've we've been on people's radars lately, and uh, I'm really pleased to see how much the company's grown. We have over 800,000 users um, from companies such as Google, um, Dropbox, Uber, Alibaba, um, and a variety of SMBs and um, mid-sized businesses as well. That's pretty impressive. And let me just say for the record that um, I as well have started to see Lusa popping up uh, into my LinkedIn newsfeed lately. So um, I know the company and I know that you're doing interesting things. Now, my question, my first question would be, Lusa is a B2B software company and we can all agree that uh, B2B SaaS is really saturated regardless of you know, the category. And I would like to hear your thoughts and your stand as to how can a brand like a B2B software like Lusa uh, stand out from, from competition. And um, I'd like to hear your thoughts and if you have any specific uh, differentiation points that make Lusa stand out uh, from your competitors. That's a great question. So I think there are a few reasons why we stand out from the competition. Um, there are a number of sales intelligence and prospecting tools on the market. We're not the only one, but there are a few things that make Lucia different. First of all is we leverage an existing need. Salespeople don't come to us because they want us. They come to us because they need us. They need pipeline. They need to hit their quotas. That's never going to change. The quotas are always going to go up. I have a number of customers who have spoken to me on case studies. And they will tell me things like every single one of my closed one deals has come from Lucia. Lucia provides me with 80% of my pipeline, X, Y, Z. I would have no way of reaching C-level, um, you know, C-level IT service software professionals in North America without Lucia, especially in the wake of COVID. You need a direct way to get in touch with your prospects. You know, office numbers are a thing of the past. And Lucia makes it possible in a way which is, you know, GDPR compliant and uh, CCPA compliant. Um, so we leverage an existing need. We're a must. The second thing I think which makes Lucia stand out is unlike, um, I would say, the main competition, we have one main competitor and probably about 10, I would say, more minor competitors, is that Lucia is completely PLG, which means salespeople no matter their role in the in in the organization, they don't have to be the right uh, you know the the right uh, position in the organization. They don't have to be an organization which makes a certain amount of capital, etc. They can sign up for Lucia at any time, day or night, and for free, start using the product and start pulling prospects and their accurate contact details. Could be two in the morning, three in the morning, on your own time. There's no need to speak to sales. There's no need to fill out any forms. Wait for sales to con contact you back, qualify you, make you sign up for a demo that you don't really want to do, and sit there waiting for them to, you know, grill you about how long you've been in the company, how much revenue your company makes, what position you are, sign you up for a demo, you know, based on, you know, the, the, the thinly veiled idea that you want to spend XYZ dollars for XYZ, you know, yearly contract. Lucia is month to month free to sign up for, affordable if you want to continue, and you can cancel anytime, no problem. These are all differentiation points, as I understand it uh, from what you're saying, are 
mainly based on the product. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Um, how do you um, communicate that though? Um, because I guess that let's say that the targeting is sales professionals. Okay. Um, how can you uh, take all the intelligence and all the information that you have, for example, through the conversations uh, that you have with customers, with paying customers for creating a case study or a customer story? How do you take that and translate that into content, for example? And how do you integrate that into your content strategy in order to reach those people? And when they read a piece of content, for example, or um, the copy of a landing page, uh, it, you know, resonates with them and they want to engage further and sign up for, uh, for Lusa. Okay. Great question. So it's important to note that unlike most B2B companies, Lusha is bottom up. Um, sales users sign up for the product and start using it. They become power users and eventually, you know, they grow in the company the contract grow, the contracts grow with them. Eventually it becomes a team purchase. We usually have, you know, a champion within the organization, but again, we're appealing to volume. We want sales at scale. We want users regardless of, you know, their, their position in the org to start using Lucia and to love it. And we believe that they're our strongest advocates in terms of content that we create in order to entice users to sign up. Um, a user never has to purchase Lucia. They can use Lucia for life for free. We give them a bucket of free credits every single month. And we give them all sorts of ways to get more free credits. So there's never a need to actually purchase Lucia, which makes it a very powerful factor to sign up for. In terms of our content, we have a number of ways that we're attracting customers. One of them is heavily through SEO and search. Um, up until two years ago, Lucia did no paid marketing. Zero, zip, zelt. I don't know how to say zero in Greek, but I would say zero in Greek if I could. It's, it's um, Milan, Milan. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I learned five new things today. Yeah. Um, basically, the company, the marketing team, the customer base has grown tremendously. We've gone from about five marketers in two years to almost 30. Um, since then, we've built a very scaled out unit and pretty much we're attacking content on all fronts. We have a creative team who is working heavily with um, our paid marketing team in creating concepts for advertisements, um, much like what you're probably seeing on, you know, YouTube or, you know, on Facebook or on Google, etc. Um, something that's going to be interesting, spark the attention of a salesperson, aka, you know, our bottom up target user and something with a strong CTA, strong call to action. Um, we've actually scaled our ad spend from 5k a month to over $2 million a month. So we're not talking about, you know, small potatoes. Um, we have a very active social media presence. Our, our social media manager grew Lucia's social media presence, um, and following by 1000 plus percent in two years. So we have a very, very, very aggressive, um, social media, um, growth. Um, we're very active. Um, we're also active at the employee level. I'm sure as everyone knows, um, social media, um, social media is pay to play. You know, the Zuckerbergs of the world aren't making their money by giving it up for free. And a company's channel gets about 10% of the reach as an individual's channel. So 
it's good policy and it's company policy that we want our employees to be as active as possible. We offer LinkedIn audits of your LinkedIn professional strategy sessions with how to write, you know, LinkedIn posts, which, you know, catch attention, um, get likes, comments. Um, we have a very active strategy for growing our social media followings, primarily on LinkedIn, but on our other social media channels. We have a very, very, very strong organic and SEO magnet, which drives people to the website, um, blog posts, our website, which continues to grow. We're continually optimizing our product pages and doing all sorts of A-B tests, doing all sorts of things like optimizing the, the drop-down navigation bar and, you know, the, the, the footers. Um, you know, we're very aggressive in terms of our SEO strategy. We're leveraging all sorts of middle of the funnel and bottom of the funnel um, content on our website to capture existing high intent as well as top of funnel, um, you know, more general uh, listicles like 10 jokes every salesperson needs to need, you know, no, no existing intent. Um, something that I don't think is that common is we have a number of alternative pages and a number of competitor comparisons which are directly on our website because we want that traffic coming to us. We don't want, you know, potential customers just to go to review sites or, you know, third party websites and maybe not get the full story about Lucia. We want to tell our own story and we want to tell our own story about, you know, why we're better than the competition, obviously in a way which is um, objective and, you know, um, objective. I'm not thinking of the synonym at the moment, but, you know, also shows why we're different than the competition and why, you know, it's a no brainer really for a salesperson to sign up for Lucia right here and right now. Speaking um, of, speaking, sorry, you want yeah, to, yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on and probably PR, we, we can get into that later as well, but I see you want to get into the SEO questions. So I'll, I'll, I'll just pause and take a break. <laughs> Speaking of alternative pages, yeah, you got that right. Uh, speaking of alternative pages, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, doing some research for this episode, I noticed that you have a, um, a page that essentially targets the term loose alternatives for people uh, who are either uh, an active, you know, user, I can only assume, of loose and are considering, you know, have reached a switching moment and are considering alternatives, um, or uh, for people who don't know uh, of, haven't, have never used loose actually, and uh, know it as a, as a prominent, um, you know, player in this space and are looking for alternatives. What, what you know, was interesting to me uh, visiting that page is the fact that by the click of a button, you could, you can, you know, very easily com essentially compare Lusa uh, to some prominent competitors. And also what really struck me is the fact that in some cases, uh, for some of the comparison points uh, between you and uh, your competitors, um, you are not afraid to tell that, you know what, for example, our database uh, may not be as big as these you know, competitors, uh, which means that in the eyes of me as a potential customer, uh, you are as unbiased as you can be. And all you want to do is just present uh, data that is you know, actual, uh, factual, accurate, and so on. Uh, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on that and whether or not you have seen that these pages can be actually effective into driving Signups uh, and also from a product marketing perspective, um, educating quote unquote uh, your potential customers as to 
how you actually compare uh, and stack up and against competitors? That's a great question. So I think in the beginning, we really gave thought to this mission because we said to ourselves, hey, do we want to, you know, slap the names of the competitors on the website? Maybe, you know, maybe uh, potential customers will go to our competitors versus us. Um, I think when it comes down to it, um, we realized and we've received proof in our data at how powerful middle of the funnel and bottom of the funnel content is. These are, you know, users on the verge of, you know, making a buying decision. When you're looking for alternatives, you're, you're in a buying state of mind and you're evaluating competitors. There's, there's a need, there's most likely a budget timeline, all those kind of great bank questions. Um, for us, it was a little non-traditional, but we decided that we would move forward with the project and it was important from a positioning perspective in order for us to tell our own story. Um, you know, we don't, you know, we own our own land, so to speak. Um, and we would let the numbers to decide. And based on the numbers that we've seen, um, there is a very, 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 very high conversion rate from these pages. Um, I'm not allowed to say specifically what it is, but it's extremely high and it's extremely worth doing in our case. Um, in terms of us having a smaller database, I think when it comes to sales intelligence, what's important for a lot of, you know, salespeople or, you know, potential users to realize is it's not necessarily about the size of the database. Um, there are a number of databases which only give office numbers. Okay, they have that contact in their database, but in this day of COVID, do you really need the office number? Is that really what you wanted? You probably didn't want that because there's probably nobody picking up the phone anyway, or it goes up to an automated voice machine or, you know, some kind of um, call, you know, phone tree, something like that. So it's not necessarily about having contacts in the database. Um, it's the fact that for most of the contacts that we have in the database, we have actual numbers. Lucia is extremely strong on the cell phone number front, um, as well as providing multiple emails, not just a work email, but oftentimes even a Gmail or a personal email. And this is, you know, done in a way which is GDPR and CCPA aligned. Um, and there's also a very high accuracy rate of the information. So just because a provider has data in its database, it doesn't mean that that data is accurate. It doesn't mean there's any direct dial information or even a personal phone number. And you could be right back where you started from. So it's not necessarily more is better. It's more about um, quality and being strong in your field. Because we have almost a million users, what people realize is um, the show rate, the amount of contacts you'll find in the search really varies on many things. It varies on the geos you're looking in, um, the tenure of the professional you're looking for. You're going to get a very, very different uh, show rate for C-levels versus, you know, manager level, um, the industry, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not just about sheer numbers. It's about relevance to you, um, data accuracy, et cetera. And you can only really know this by doing a trial and seeing the solution head to head with another solution. And that's why we want people coming into the product and signing up for Lucia because the product is so strong that it sells itself. Um, the whole company ethos is PLG, everything from our product to 
our marketing, our sales, um, our product's whole strategy, our CS whole strategy is based on what the user does and prompting the user to use more of Lucia. They need to have that aha moment in the beginning and they need to see exactly why Lucia is such a great product in order to continue using it. And that's pretty much always what we're trying to push people to do is use the product more and more and the strength of the product speaks for itself. One thing that I would like to add based on, based on that and based on my question is the fact that in many cases we see, you know, we have quite an extensive experience at this point working with SaaS companies, B2B uh, SaaS uh, more specifically. And we see that most of these companies are interested in creating and launching alternative pages. But one thing that, one item that they are missing is the fact that um, at many cases, in many cases, you know, when you reach the point that you have uh, sufficient branded search volume uh, for uh, your brand and alternatives, uh, it is worth creating such a page as well be because people are not only comparing, um, you know, other uh, alternatives between uh, one another or searching for alternatives for one of your competitors, they may be searching for an alternative for you as well. And it's important to control, uh, you know, the narrative and tell uh, your uh, side of the story. Now, I would like to shift gears a bit um, and um, discuss something a bit different. You have uh, experience working with B2B so uh, software companies. And the question that I have for you, uh, specifically on the content front, is what are the mistakes that you see companies make more often when it comes to their content strategy? Uh, do you have any specific you know, points that you'd like to make or any examples even that you'd like to, uh, to share with us? Okay, that's a great question. Um, so there are a number of answers that I have to your question. I think the first, um, I think the first mistake that I see often is that um, before actually sitting down and writing content, you really need to know where you stack up in the landscape against your competitors. You need to be very clear on the product, um, the solution, your differentiators. You need to get clear your narrative. What's your UVP? Um, I consulted with um, a company recently. I looked at their website. Um, I could not tell you in any way, shape, or form, just looking at their homepage, why I would choose this company versus a competitor. It was so general and nonspecific. And I spoke to one of the founders who said, well, we're, we're a horizontal solution. We're, um, we're really for all SMBs. And I said, really? Can you tell me about how you're different from your competitors? If I can't tell that from your homepage, there's a framing issue. There's a framing issue. Like you're still working on generalization and you're probably going to be dealing with, you know, price tag seekers. I have nothing in my mind, which is going to help me remember you versus a potential competitor. So thinking that you're everything to everybody, thinking that everyone is your customer, not getting clear on your product, not getting clear on your solution, not getting clear in your narrative, not getting clear on your UVP, um, trying to be everything to everybody, and also which verticals or which industries are you specifically targeted for? Lucia is very, very clear. We're not just a B2B database. We're a B2B database for salespeople, specifically SDRs and BDRs, 
also for growing sales teams. Um, we do appeal to the marketing function if it manages an SDR. Um, we're not really a marketing solution at this point. I mean, maybe we could be in the future. We're also more um, a secondary uh, industry for us is also recruitment. We actually started as a solution for um, recruiters. We were founded by a team of um, tech specialists who worked in the recruiting technology sphere. And it evolved into a sales solution. Everything that the product does is specifically made for the SDR and BDR function in mind. We do have a number of AEs who are using it for us, but they're not our, our target customer. Um, I think this is a huge problem. The second problem that I see is I find that B2B content is boring and unmemorable. I read something. I can't tell you who wrote it. I can't tell you what it said. It said something about something to somebody at some point. I think everybody thinks that it's okay to speak the same dry, boring, corporate, stodgy language, um, to copy your competitors, just just lift their words. Um, nobody will notice. Um, that just makes you memorable. That just makes you a, a worse copy of your competitor. So copying the competitor, it's not necessarily right for you. It's not necessarily right for your customer. Um, and, and uh, yeah, these are the main mistakes that I see. Um, there's probably a number of other, you know, mistakes out there, but content which has no distinct personality, it's monotonous, it's written in dry corporate jargon that no one, no one else can understand, sort of vanilla, it's got no taste and flavor, your brand is boring, um, it's written for everybody. You didn't get clear on your product marketing. You didn't get clear on who you're for, you're for, how your solution differs, what your, you know, your main message is, that one thing that you want, you know, potential customer to remember you by. And, you know, you're trying to be everything to everybody. So these are the main uh, errors that I see. And, yeah, I'd, I'd love to know your thoughts on that or if, if, if you think that there's, you know, something that B2B SaaS people don't do right when it comes to writing content. Yeah. Uh... I, I guess that everyone can see that there is there is definitely something that's fundamentally wrong with the way many, not you know all, obviously uh, we cannot generalize, but many SaaS companies do con. And I would argue that having a a clear um, definition of who you are and how you want to perceive is definitely one of these things. And at the same time, I agree with you that like doing the same as everyone else. Is a big problem, and it's not just for SaaS companies. It's we we can see it in other categories as well. You know, unfortunately, the web is full of content that looks like everything else out there, in an effort to rank, in an effort to create something that satisfies uh, the search engine, um, be perceived as something relevant, and get the um, the rankings that will potentially get you the traffic. Um, and so on. So there are definitely many things that are wrong, but I would also like to, to pose the question a bit differently and ask you what are the things that you see and if you have any specific examples, that would be great for us to, to, um, to know. What are the things that you see and the examples, the best practices that you see some companies follow uh, when it comes to content uh, and their content strategy and the way they, they, approach, they approach content? 
That's a great question. Um, something that I love um, to quote the industry darling of Gong. Everybody knows Gong. Something that I really appreciate about Gong um, is that their thought leadership is at the top level and company wide. So you can see everybody from their CEO down to you know a sales or CSM rep who is publicly posting on LinkedIn, not just about why Gong is the best and all this, you know, corporate speak, uh, you know, trying to, to, to get people into their funnel, but breaking down their processes, how they do what they do, why they do the things that they do, showing their expertise while also highlighting the solution and, you know, why Gong is a market leader. So this is something that I love. Um, I think this is, social media meets employer branding meets thought leadership done well and done right it has to be top down bottom up and company wide it doesn't work if it's just you know a few people in the company do it management has to be aligned it has to be something that's a decision made from the top down yes we will be public yes it's scary yes we're going to post we're going to post not just when we get a funding round or share a link to a PR. We're going to talk about ourselves, the things that keep us up at night, the things that we're doing well. And you really put the, the training wheels and the program in place that make it easy for employees to share content on LinkedIn. For example, um, our social media manager, who's doing a heck of a job, by the way, shout out to Danny Peterman. He's great. Um, he's actually holding weeklies and bi-weeklies with not just management, but a number of, of key stakeholders in the organization from a number of departments and he's helping them kind of vocalize their thoughts and he's actually taking what they're saying and helping them write posts. He's not just saying, do it. Here's the steps. He's actually helping them make it happen and, you know, putting training, training wheels on the bicycle. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why Lucia is doing, I think personally, not to do my own horn, but doing such a great job with um, our social media strategy. Um, other than that, I really, really enjoy Grammarly's marketing. Um, I think it's so clear what they do, who they are, um, what the what the solution solves. It's so easy to start using. Um, Duolingo, I think, is really killing it on TikTok. They're making um, a language translation app fun and charming memorable there's that keyword there i actually remember who they are and what they do what they do um i love lemonade i think their content is a brush of breath of fresh air it there's something in it that's a bit wry a bit witty um it's very conversational um, but it's something i've noticed that this i think could only happen because the ceo of lemonade He's not afraid to talk and he's not afraid even to get a little bit of perhaps one could say negative spotlight turned his way. For example, I remember a PR they did because the CEO of Lemonade had a number of his employees that were being poached by various market leaders like the Googles and, um, you know, the Facebooks and things like that. And they wrote, I don't exactly what they remember what they said now, but it was like two years ago, they wrote like a response to the companies that were trying to poach their employees and it went public. Um, other than that, there was a company that was suing them 
for using the shade of pink that's their company logo and they took a very ardent stand they created a whole marketing campaign that says nobody owns the color pink um you have to have a pretty ballsy ceo to to be willing to not just toot the horns of you know other companies but actually take a stand and say something maybe even negative about a company so you have to keep it real and it has to be management down the company's going to the, the content is going to be blah boring corporate a copy of your competitor if you can't get that content approved because the vp is afraid to make waves because the ceo is afraid to make waves so that's something it has to come from the top down there has to be an organization that's willing to say something besides we're so great we're the number one best selling all inclusive blah 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 just copy and paste whatever your competitor says on their about page and insert here so yeah that's uh that's a long-winded answer but that's why i remember lemonade you know yeah yeah and i must say that i agree with you uh and you know for more of the for mo most of the examples that you mentioned i also have a like a good impression about them um not because i have used them or anything for example maybe we have used grammarly or anything like that i have never used gong but i have gong in my mind as uh, a great tool um and uh, a great company maybe because of the associations that i've made uh, that maybe the company is not directly responsible for for my associations through the content that they publish and the, the bold moves that they take in terms of marketing. Um, <clears throat> and so, and definitely I agree with you when it comes to um, the fact that strategy has to start, you know, from the, from the top. Uh, and, I, and I do believe that uh, the top has to be uh, involved and kind of give the rhythm to the, to the, to the rest of the company. And also something that I liked uh, from your blog, uh, for example, is the fact that I saw that you had a couple of listicles, list posts with jokes about marketeers, for example, which, by the way, uh, gave us um, an idea to do something similar uh, for, a, for a new client of ours. Um, their targeting is um, website designers, okay? And we said, you know what, one of the things that we will recommend is creating a, a list post with jokes about website designers. I don't know if our client will accept it or not, but we will see. Um, all I'm trying to say is that, and I, I totally agree with you, it doesn't have to be uh, boring. And at the same time, I you know, 100% agree, it has to come from the top down. Otherwise, you know, it, it's just one or one person in the company or a team of people trying to do things while the rest is busy doing other things. I, I do believe that everyone has to be uh, involved. And you can't take a stand if nobody will green light or approve that. Well, that's, well, that's a great idea, but you know, we, we just don't do those kind of things at that company or I'm not really comfortable with it. That's, I think the main problem that I see with B2B, why are B2B stands B2B, B2C brands so memorable? Why are they, why are they so willing to, do something bold that makes you laugh, that makes you cry. And why does all B2B sound corporate and the same? I really, I don't fault the content marketers. I say they probably had a very short leash to work on. And if you can't get it approved, you know, yeah. Yeah. it's mm -hmm. a great idea, but it, it never got on the page, you know? 
you need to right. have the buy-in. That's that's true. Uh, and when you have someone who, who is supportive and just gives you the green light and also um, gives you the resources and the space that you need, I think that uh, that's 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 the best thing to have. Now, before we start wrapping things up, I would like to uh, discuss digital PR a bit, and I would like to uh, to ask you if you have uh, your own definition of what digital PR is, um, and also what do you think are or should be the elements of a successful uh, digital PR uh, strategy? Okay, that's a great question. Um, in my definition, um, PR is how you leverage existing media, whether traditional or non-traditional digital media, to tell your brand, company, and people's story. Um, there are two main buckets in which you can do this. One is releases. That's generally XYZ happened. You, you know, you create um, a PR press release. You know, you put it on the wire. You pitch it to journalists before if it's something, you know, very juicy. Funding announcement. A funding announcement would be an example. And then the second bucket is thought leadership. These are evergreen stories. Um, generally. They could be based on a current event that's going on right now, but they're generally evergreen stories that you pitch to more industry-specific publications, which expertise, your know-how, your knowledge, um, how you do something, why you do something, generally written by C-levels and VP levels of the organization. Um, it's basically how you're telling your story to journalists and then how they're writing about you or using what you wrote. and putting it on the wire. So there has to be an alignment between what you want to talk about as a brand, what management wants to talk about, and what the publication wants to talk about, what the journalist writes about, and what the readers from that publication actually read. And that's a very difficult thing to do because there's been a number of times where management has wanted to speak about certain topics. Um, but the journalist has their own ideas and they say, you know, that's great, but I have a story about X. I'm looking for contributors on X. So there really has to be, um, it's more of a conversation. There's, there's a bit of a back and forth. You start with ideas management wants to own. Um, you have, you know, you pitch those independently to journalists. Um, you get pitches incoming from journalists. You, you know, respond to those if they're where, where if they're within your, um, subject matter expertise and you know you can get those in by deadline um, you pitch articles usually the, the, the listicles the how to's how I did it how I got XYZ result um, you pitch management to podcasts um, usually industry specific um, that's pretty much what I would define as PR but uh, that's probably missing something <laughs> I like your approach and obviously it's not a a simple question. It's it's digital no. PR. It's it's definitely uh, it's definitely a multidimensional uh, topic, uh, and maybe the topic for another episode. So, um, Vanessa, I would like to thank you very much uh, for uh, joining me uh, for this episode. I, I'm I'm pretty sure that our listeners will find it very very uh, interesting. Now, before we go, where can people find out more about you and uh, get in touch? Oh. So um, I'm available on LinkedIn, 
George, um, if you could link to my LinkedIn, I would love anybody, you know, who wants to speak content, content strategy, PR, um, B2B SaaS, hit me up. I'm always happy to talk. Um, even if you want to just share your favorite dinosaur with me, big dinosaur lover, um, you want to talk about cats, internet culture, memes, any of that kind of thing, um, game. Um, if you're looking for, you know, an amazing sales intelligence tool, um, you're welcome to sign up for free at lucia.com. If you have any questions about Lucia, you're also, you know, you can send them my way as well. Um, yeah, Georgia, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure speaking with you last week. It was a pleasure speaking with you now. And yeah, if you have anything, you know, any questions, any collaboration you want to do, pick my brain, any, like any, anything you want. I want to share a dinosaur, cute dinosaur picture, whatever you want. You feel free to, to hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm pretty friendly. Will do. Will do. <laughs> Thank you very cool. much for being on the show, Vanessa. It was a pleasure. You have a great night, George. Another episode of the SaaS SEO Show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.